Okay, so I know that legal writing is just a huge, huge topic for the majority of young lawyers. Everyone wants to be a better legal writer, everyone wants to do better legal drafting, everyone wants to have that ability to communicate the things they want to communicate in a legally sound way that is approachable by the person who's supposed to be consuming it. But how can we actually do it? Believe it or not, I am not going to run through 6,874 examples just to show you how I would go about drafting everything. What I want to do is to approach it from a very strategic perspective, a high-level perspective on legal drafting that can give you a process to work through for really anything, any form of legal writing that you're going to attempt throughout the course of your legal career can fit within this framework and it will become second nature, but you might need to do it a little bit consciously at first. So what are we going to do? We're going to look at the four fundamental elements of legal drafting. And if you can get these strategic elements into your habit of legal drafting, you will find you will just write better across the board. What are the four elements? The first is purpose. What is the point of the communication? And the best example I can give you about this is a letter of advice. How many times have we seen a letter of advice that contains tons and tons and tons and tons of reasoning, but precious little actual advice? Is a letter like that actually delivering its purpose if the advice is buried somewhere in this huge swathe of paper? I say not. There are many opinions about that, and that comes back to some of the other elements that we're talking about soon. But if you're asked to do an advice for your client, the thing your client cares about the most is, drumroll please, the advice. They want the advice. Sure, they might be interested in the reasoning, but what they want is the advice. So, how are you going to ensure when you next write something that you determine the purpose? Well, you need to think about it, obviously. And particularly, this is the case with submissions. Particularly, this is the case with letters of advice to your client. And particularly, this is the case with legal pleadings and documents, okay? Uh, contracts, you can apply this, of course, because each contractual clause will have a fundamental purpose. And if you stray too far from that purpose, then you can end up with a messy clause that doesn't achieve what it's supposed to achieve in a neat way. So before you pick up a pen or a keyboard, if uh, you don't pick up a keyboard, but you know what I mean, before you commence, what is the point of the product that you have been asked to prepare? It has to have a point. You need to ascertain its purpose. There might be a couple of purposes, but there will usually be a core, fundamental, central purpose for anything that you're going to write. What is it? And how are you going to ensure that your letter attacks that front and center? That is the focus point of what you're preparing. Okay? Purpose. Second comes audience. Who is it for? Who is the primary reader? Who is the main recipient of this letter? Now, this can be more complicated than what you might think. Let's take a letter of demand. I want to write to someone, I want to demand repayment of a debt on behalf of my client. Now, principally, the purpose of that is to demand the debt, to ask the other person to pay it or demand they pay it, and it has a main audience of the recipient or their solicitors. However, it has a secondary audience, which is your client. Your client's going to read it, 
And if your letter reads, Oh, hello, Jane, we haven't met before. I hope you're having a lovely day. But I was hoping, please, if you could very much consider sending across the $12,752 that uh, you seem to owe to our client according to the instructions that we've been given. Thank you and have a lovely day. Now, generally letters don't read in that silly tone of voice, but you know what I mean. How would your client feel if you wrote to the person who owed them a bunch of money in that way? Now we need to balance our audiences, of course. And that's why we usually have a primary audience and a secondary audience. And we have ethical obligations that are going to impact upon how we treat our opponents and how we treat our clients. So not everything can go in to make your client happy, but at the same time, you need to consider their needs and how they're going to react to reading something that you've written. Audience, who's it for? Who's it mainly for and who's it sort of for? Sometimes you write a letter to an opposing lawyer that's actually designed to trigger a few reactions in their client. Sometimes it's the other way around. Who is it really for? Have that in mind, it's intertwined with purpose very heavily. What's it for? Who's it for? The third thing we need to talk about is tone. What is the emotional response that you want someone to have when they're reading your letter? What is the reaction to it? How is your letter going to feel to them? Will it be demanding? Will it be reasonable? Will it be civil? Will it be kind? Will it be argumentative? What will it be? What is the reaction you want them to have? This is where you can determine what sort of sentence structure to use. What sort of modifiers to use if you're going to write with modifiers? What sort of introductory little phrases you use that might be largely meaningless other than the fact that they create a particular tone. Don't just assume that every letter should sound the same. That's a terrible assumption. It comes back to your purpose. If you have a particular purpose for your letter, then your tone needs to align with the purpose. Because if you write a very demanding, brusque sounding letter to someone where it's designed, its purpose is to persuade or convince in a civil and rational and kind manner, then you're, not, you're gonna be at odds there. You cannot write every letter the same. And this kind of drives young lawyers a little bit crazy sometimes because I will change a letter in some circumstances but not in other circumstances. And they'll be like, Chris, you're going crazy. Make up your mind. And I have made up my mind. And my mind is made up in relation to each particular piece of written work. Tone. The final one we're going to talk about is brevity. A piece of written work should be only as long as it must be to achieve its purpose for the audience and to strike the right tone. Once you have done that, you're finished. Don't waffle on. Don't add things in just because they seem like a good idea. If they're not part of the purpose or for the audience or to strike the tone, then they're probably not necessary. Waffling on does you no good. It dilutes your purpose. If you have purposeless sentences, phrases, paragraphs, or sections in your written work, it takes attention away from the things that really matter and it is diffusing the impact of the hard work you've put into those areas that you really want to be focused on. So, brevity. Your homework. As you pick up your writing implement for your next writing task. Whatever it may be, if it's a text message, if it's an email, apply these situations to it, apply these principles to it. What is its point? Who is it for? What tone do you want to strike? And how long must it be before you're done? These things all interact and interweave with each other. And these are the fundamental elements of good legal drafting.